Bring it. Hello, welcome along again to Feud for Thought. We're back. It's me, Ben Simmons, and my, as ever, very chirpy, esteemed colleague. <coughs> me, Martin Hill. You, you well, were laughing just, at that intro, weren't you? I, I was. I was laughing at the, hello, welcome along again. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just sounded a little bit weird, that's all. But, you know, you're out Fair of enough. practice, Ben. I've been told I, I sound weird many a time, so that's fine. How <laughs> how the true. heck are you? Not bad, not bad. Been, uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I want to say productive, but not really. I've done a bit of gardening this week. Which I, I did some gardening. I've done gardening this <clears> week. I mowed my lawn, used a strimmer on the edges. We've reseeded yep. the lawn. That's exciting, isn't it? Oh, exciting stuff. Yeah, that's what I was doing during lockdown. I was redoing all my lawn. And uh, for some reason, the back end of last year, my lawnmower broke. Oh, no. So I was borrowing the neighbour's lawnmower for a bit, but he has this battery-operated one, and every time I ask, I have to get him to charge the battery the night before, or yeah. I have to him to physically open his door. Like, I can't just borrow his lawnmower. I have to do all yeah. this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get myself a new lawnmower. So I went out, and I was looking for a lawnmower. Uh, for ages, I was online looking, which was, the like, the cheapest, because that's how I live. <laughs> uh, and uh, every place I went to to pick up a lawnmower, they were out. Oh, so right. Fine. I went to Wix eventually. I thought, I'll just pop in Wix and have a look. And they had this big Black & Decker 15,000 or 1,500-watt, like, machine, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was on clearance because they'd, they'd stopped stocking them or something, or they were out with changing whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and it was on offer for, like, 60 quid. I said, you know what? I'm going to have that. <laughs> so I bought myself this brand-new lawnmower, got it home. I did one strip of my lawn, and it broke. Oh, no. I know. I was good. <laughs> so I went down again to Wix and took them the old one back. And I said, uh, I was looking the night before uh, yeah. what Wix had, because I had to take it back the, the day after. So I took it back and I said, um, this lawnmower's broke, but you guys price match and home base are doing this one that are this, um, not Bosch. Uh, is it Bosch? Bosh no, is a fly, mate. Fly mo- yeah, it is. Oh, Flymo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, this Flymo one that I wanted, it says they're doing this one at like 60 quid cheaper than you. It says if you can price match, I'll take that one. So we went online and the price match changed that night. It went, <laughs> it went, it went back up. To, so I was in the shop and I was like, oh. So I was like, right, okay. So what have you got? So he had this other Flymo one that I ended up buying because I was just sick to death of looking for lawnmowers. <laughs> And eventually I came back and mowed me a lot. And that's all the gardening I did last week. Because I, I had I had plans. And yeah. I, I was all right, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this. I spent two days just trying to mow the lawn. <laughs> it all got taken so, over. That's annoying, isn't it? When you think you've got time for something and then something goes wrong and then that's sorting that thing out takes over your life. That's my <laughs> life right there. That's what happens with anything I decide to do. Something right. comes along and goes, no, you're not going to do it yet. You're going to fiddle with all this stuff first. <laughs> And then you might get to do what you want to do. Well, lovely listeners, shockingly, this episode isn't about mowing the lawn or even gardening particularly, but it could talk about that again as we progress, because what we are going to base this on is kind of jobs we've had, looking at early jobs we've had. Some of that we may have um, touched on before in previous episodes, but not in this much detail. Um, I still remember my first ever job. Um, my first ever job was a paper round. I think I was 13 or 14 and there was a news agent about 75 yards from my mum and dad's front door. And um, I had to get up early and deliver about 30, 30, 40 papers, I would guess, before I went to school. Did you ever have a paper round or was your first job a paper round or something similar? I did. Uh, well, I mean, technically, I was, uh, yeah first... <laughs> you're struggling internally with something there what's wrong <laughs> i was struggling <laughs> technically i didn't have a my, my first official job i suppose was yes a paper round that i think i inherited off my neighbor when he uh, leg or something and he wasn't and then he decided i'm not going to do it again right so yeah i ended up doing um a paper round which you know was, was grand 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it was it was pretty dull. I pretty much used my paper round to increase my um, uh, waistline <laughs> because on on the route to collecting the papers from the news agents, right. uh, it was a news agents where I would equally have um, where I would have sweets and then on the way up to where i was delivering papers i would probably stop at every shop that there was going in order to get more sweets and uh, then i just spent my entire paper round and probably the money from that paper round just eating sweets as i was going around <laughs> it sort of backfired really it did kind of backfire yeah but the reason i was hesitant is because i've been working like technically no i say working like because my family always had kind of businesses in them like i remember when i was a kid sitting and doing like counting all the money for me. Like, you used to help my grandma do all the books and stuff. Yeah, and stuff. oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm talking about... For that, yeah, that, love and hugs. I mean, yeah, that's your family business, and yes, you got involved in it at a young age, which is brilliant. But, I, yeah, I'm talking about the first thing you got a wage for that was, you know, an outside <clears throat> influence kind of thing. My, fir- my paper round, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was an only child. My parents were obviously very protective of me. They never told me this until about two years after I stopped doing it. But I would, get, <laughs> I would get up at about five in the morning and do this paper round, maybe at six, not that early. But in the winter, obviously, it was dark and I had to go to probably as far as about half a mile radius from home. My mum was obviously worried about it and without knowing, followed me around in their car while I was doing my paper round without letting me know <laughs> just to check I was all right. I I was you, like, have you told us this before? Or you've definitely told me before. I have well, heard that before. Yeah, yeah I pro- maybe I have on this. If, apologies if I'm repeating something, but I remember thinking I was fine. That There was really no need, but thanks. It's nice to feel protected. So, uh, yeah, that was good. After I did that paper round, that was a morning paper round, I got a kind of after-school paper round for a paper called The News Shopper, which was a big in Kent um, in the uh, late 80s. And um, you had to deliver to three streets in your area. So it was a street I lived in, a street that went across it, and another street a little way away. But you had to do every house. And it used to take a couple of hours. It was, yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like that. I'd, I think I did it far longer than I wanted to. I probably did it about a year. But, yeah, it wasn't brilliant. I did, I did you to like with the paper out the tips. Did you get tips? I think only – I think it was like Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas yeah. tips. We got tips, yeah. Yeah, I used to enjoy doing it around Christmas. I used to enjoy cats. I've always been a cat person. And on the early morning paper round, I'd meet a lot of cats and would always be friendly with them. One jumped up on my shoulders and would stay there for a little while while I walked around a couple of properties nearby. It's a bit weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is a bit weird, but I've always liked cats. I've always liked friendly cats. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Who doesn't like cats and friendly cats, Ben? Everyone does. (laughs) Uh, before we delve into the thing of jobs, though, should we set up uh, our, our standards? Have you got a, a fact? Well, yeah, talking about jobs, I was going to look at the kind of best paid jobs. Like if you're thinking of a career, what what guarantees a good wage when you go into a profession? Then I remembered something I'd heard a while ago, which is um, the woman who's related to the chairman of Stoke City Football Club was the founder of Bet365, the online betting company, and has what can only be described as an absolutely ludicrous annual salary. And you can kind of say she deserves it because she founded the company and she's one of Britain's richest women now. But just listen to this, right? Bet365 boss Denise Coates founded the company in the early 2000s after spotting the potential of internet betting to revolutionise the industry. Her last pay packet for the financial year that ended in 2021, her salary was £250 million, and she also got more than 50% of another £97.5 million dividend which means her yearly, her one yearly earnings was about 
300 million pounds, which represented a drop of 170 million on the previous year. For the past five years, for which you can get records for in Companies House, she has earned as a salary and dividend 1.3 billion. Just that's not that, mate. <laughs> It's like, right, okay. Um, it's flashy. And all she did was abuse the internet. Who set up that pay structure in that company? You know, if you're if you're kind of some sort of management level executive or something and you're on about 75 grand for Bet365 and you think, oh, that's good. And you're like, what does the owner get? Oh, 300 million a year. Right, yeah. You kind of... Yeah, like, what's wow. is the people who work the little checkout things, I'm presuming, I've never actually been in... It's a shop. No, it's an online. Well, it's it's thing, all isn't online, it's isn't it? Who, yeah. So people who are on the phone in the call centres are probably getting yeah. like ten ten pound an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or whatever minimum wages if they're brave enough to bump it up to the minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, these people are, are all about making money, though, aren't they? These people that set up these kind of companies. Yeah. It's, the, the mere fact of how it was set up from that description suggests she wasn't thinking of a consumer need. No, she was exactly. Thinking of a, you know, there wasn't people in the, in yeah. the mix there. And, I, th- I, and so, I bet she does nothing with that money. I bet it's just sitting there. Well, she have bought everything she wants. Well, ironically, I don't know, but I think <clears throat> there, to some extent, she has been reported of like doing stuff for charity, giving it away, setting up foundations. I don't know. I haven't looked into it that thoroughly. I'm not saying she's a bad person at all. I'm just saying. It kind of annoys me when people get astronomical salaries. Like you say, no one needs all that money. And yeah, you can do stuff in the future, but you know, anyone can live very well and live a very sort of expensive life on, you know, a million pounds a year, you know, even 500,000 pounds a year too. I'm talking. We're talking from as people who don't have that. So to us, we think that is astronomical to them. It probably cost them six million to keep the blooming house running. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the costs are still going to be. I'm not defending them because I just think, yeah, it's ridiculous, especially if they've got a massive mansion and there's like two people living in it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is crazy, but they've one way, rightly or wrongly, earned the right to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, if they've built a company from scratch and it's done that well, I mean, there's every chance it could have flopped and it could have gone the other way. It's not yeah. successful. We can't condemn them for that. No, we absolutely. Can, I, you know, I, I can think less of them because they're you know wealthier than I am. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I find that. Co- I, although I agree with you, Colin. I know what you're saying. It's really easy to sit there and go, "Well, yeah, I, I can live off my measly ten grand a year or whatever it is." Yeah. That- yeah, that yeah. We're earning, so why can't they? They should. All this extra money is. Yeah, extra. but I'm not even saying they should. They should have to. Uh, they, you know, if someone sets something up and earns whatever they earn, they deserve it. It's fine. I don't begrudge them that. But what I'm saying is, you know, you could even live the most ridiculously lavish lifestyle on five million pounds a year, ten million pounds a year, twenty, whatever. When you're getting three hundred, like you say. There has to, unless you give it all away, there has to be like 150 million just sat there that you can't really do anything with. And what what's that? You know, that's that. Yeah. If, I no, may be wrong. It's going to be excess because, well, I mean, to be fair, anybody who's living their life thoughtfully enough should live to where there is an excess, so there's some potential saving. There. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I was looking I was looking at my account the other day um, from April of what went into what went out and I made a grand total saving Ben yeah. this is what I took home at the end of last month after all my outgoings and all my incomings <laughs> and I took home a grand total of about £36 well, phenomenal isn't it I thought I must be doing alright here because I haven't felt a pinch yet with April being uh, gone and stuff and then <laughs> I looked at my bank and thought, oh, it's not that I haven't felt the, it's just that I haven't looked. <laughs> you know, you look and you go, oh, God. Yeah. Damn, that was, yeah. That was wrong. All right. We've got three uh, things here then. Uh, yeah. One, two lies and a truth. Okay. Related to jobs in some way, is it? Yeah. I keep doing it the wrong way. Right? It's because I'm just going to have to stick with it. Uh, I was going to do, I normally do two truths and a lie, don't I? Oh, uh, yeah. But only one of these is true then. Two lies and the truth. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, only one of these. No, only one of these is a lie. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Two truths and a lie. That's what yeah. I've done here. Yeah. I should. <laughs> I should do it the other way around. I don't. Every week I forget, <laughs> and every week I do it wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Number one. If you work forty hours a week between the ages of twenty and sixty-five, yeah, you will roughly work just over ninety thousand hours. Okay. Don't be don't be getting your calculator out. <laughs> I can see your I can see your weird little arms moving now. I'm not getting a calculator out. Number two, <laughs> yeah. Leonardo da Vinci. Is credited with the first resume CV. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, he created the first one. And number three is Friday is the most common sick day at Ooh. work. Now, hang on. Right. Only one is a lie. Only one is a lie. Right. So if you worked 45 years, 40 hours a week, you'd have done 90,000 hours, was it? I think. Uh, yeah, just, just over 90,000 hours. Where have you got 45? Oh, I see what you've done there. No. Yeah, 20 to 65, yeah. is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see what you've done there. And Da Vinci had the first ever resume. He's and, credited with creating. Yeah. I don't know if that's official. Let's just I've, for, I've already forgotten the third one. That Friday is the most oh. common sick day at work. So only one is a lie. Oh. <clears throat> see, I don't know. You could easily make up the... The maths. Uh, da Vinci invented a lot of things. I've never heard of him having the credited with creating the first resume. Friday. Oh, that sounds right. If you want a sick day, you want to make your weekend longer. Surely it's Friday or Monday. Uh, I'm going to say, because it's the... E- no, I don't think you'd mess about with numbers. I'm going to say the Da Vinci thing is a lie. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. You're wrong, Ben. Disaster. Da Vinci is credited with creating the first uh, CV slash resume. Uh, If you work 40 hours a week between 20 and 65, you will work just over 90,000 hours. And the most common sick day is... Monday. Ah, Dan. With the exception of Australia, where apparently the most common sick day is Tuesday. That's weird. Don't know what happens in Australia. Friday is the least uh, day to be sick. Yeah, people are much happier and likely to go to work on Fridays. Fridays also tend to be the day where it is more social and positive in the office slash workplace. Wow, okay. Right, I can fully accept that. Nobody likes Mondays, mate. <laughs> no. no, I've realised. Well, there we go. That's a shocker. Yeah. Although, to be fair, if uh, if you're picking jobs these days, if you like, if you really wanted to say, right, this is this is you know the dream job. Yeah. Uh, you'd have wanted Neil Parishes, wouldn't you? To be fair. <laughs> well, I you mean... wouldn't have, you wouldn't have wanted the fallout, would you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That seems to me a good job. It's like no matter what he's done in his rest of his career, he's just going to be remembered for that. You're like, yeah, ah. He is, he is porn boy. <laughs> now there's a superhero we don't want to meet. <laughs> <laughs> We've met him. Yeah, he's, lost, he's lost his job now. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. that's a crazy thing as well. Like, with, with, like and I've, I've said this before. I do have a big issue with when somebody does something wrong. And look, let's be perfectly honest around it. I don't think there's a man and his dog alive who hasn't looked at porn on the internet at some point. Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was it the right place to do it? Absolutely not. No. Should he lose his job over it? I mean, it's a very weird thing because I, I would, I would, if everybody was, uh, what's the truth serum drug, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if if everyone was can... up to. Yeah, if everyone was up to, up to a lie, I would say at least 98% of the world's population, definitely the UK population, will have at some point or another been on the internet and looked at porn. And, I'm leaving yeah. 2% for religious nutters like, you know, <laughs> people who just literally 
Uh, nutters is the wrong word. That's wrong. I don't mean to say that. But like, <laughs> uh, p- like priests and stuff who take the vow of uh, yeah, yeah, haven't. yeah. But well, even, no, like, they probably have. But I mean, I have to account for the fact. That yeah, yeah. Happen. But going on from what you said, there must be yeah. Mo- if how accessible it is now, it's just ridiculous to think people wouldn't. But equally, I would think so many people must have accessed some kind of image or video which would be deemed inappropriate in their workplace. Oh, yeah. And Most of the messages my uni lot send me when that pops up on my phone. And I've been yeah. at work where they've sent me a WhatsApp and I've opened it and gone, oh, crikey, best. Yeah, everyone. That's somewhat yeah. crude or I don't want my staff to I loved that. his excuse, though, <clears> of, <throat> oh, I was accessing information about tractors and then accidentally clicked yeah. on something and it went to that. But the second time, yeah, I was just looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what he was Googling on tractors to... Yeah, but I mean, I have to admit, when it does come to pot, I'm a bit useless on uh, knowing the sites. Uh, <laughs> right, or, yeah. Like, so I don't know what comes up when you... And I'm loath to actually Google tractors now. In case yeah, I know. Like, it's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the case in point, though, fair enough, maybe something did pop up. Because I, like I say, I've had that. I've literally yeah. had that at work where someone's been... And I work at front of house where they're like young... 20 odd year olds and the last thing i want them to think of me is that i'm some dirty old man sure like, yeah when my mates have and it's not uh it's like a a gif slash whatever that's popped up of a funny yeah. thing and you think i don't want them to see that but i have opened it at work and i'll i'll i'll, I'll give him that bit of leeway that he might have had a message pop up me opened it and what have you yeah yeah the, yeah. Tra- the tractor thing threw me yeah. and he shouldn't be doing it at work <clears throat> but even if he is the most deprived, dirty pervert in his private life, yeah, he's obviously been elected for yeah. something that he's good at doing or that he's knowledgeable on. Yeah. So why does that ultimately suddenly mean, oh, he's got to be sacked? No, I totally, it's, it's, I totally agree with you. You know, and it's like that, whether he was accessing that or not, it bears no reflection on his ability to do his job as an MP, by all accounts of which, and I haven't delved into it very deeply, it sounds like he was doing pretty well and had a good reputation. The thing is, which we'll never know, is the reason it came to light was that a couple of women said they felt it was inappropriate and they made it sound like he was sort of showing them and shoving it in their faces, which I believe he wouldn't have um, been doing. But, you know, it, most people would not want anyone else to know they were doing that. It's a bit weird to actually be doing it in the House of Commons. Was it? it I think it was sounded like it was in the House of Commons, wasn't it? It wasn't just like going through the corridors of Westminster or whatever. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was all very bizarre occurrence. Um, I, I don't know where it was, to be fair. I mean, it was... Uh, it must have been in... I don't think it was in the House of Commons. I think it was in some sort of meeting in the House of Commons, uh, right. like a meeting room or something, and there was a, a couple of women sat behind him who saw this and uh, grassed him up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know... Uh, I, I just don't, I don't know what... Like, to me as well... Like the thing about me opening that message at work was when I saw it, I was very conscious of what was around me. Yeah. So he himself must have been very conscious of what he must have known. Every guy, well, anybody who sits in a room will have a sense around of who's around them. Sure. Like that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. natural instinct. We do that to sort of protect ourselves anyway. So you'd have a look, go, oh, all right, there's people there, whatever. When you're opening that message, like it's like when I'm in the cinema. Yeah. And and my phone goes off in the cinema and I look at it. I'm very conscious of the fact that the people behind me can see my screen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't look at it. It's it's just like, it just seems to have, um, yeah, messed up there, to be honest. But does it call for him to be sacked? Well, when you think the Prime Minister has been found guilty of breaking the laws that he set or his cabinet set, and, and, you know, has no intention of resigning and has had all these... Th- Clearly, there's a campaign to try and force him out at some point. And, you know, he's not having to resign. And this this misdemeanour, I don't know if it really is worthy of the punishment that was meted out to him. I don't know. It just... I mean, and, and that, again, annoys me, though. I mean, Boris is an idiot. He's, he shouldn't be in power now. He 
to be fair. And I don't think there's any chance whatsoever that he will remain in power come the next election. If no, he no. chooses to hold out to that point. But if he gets boosted out, if he gets sacked or if he gets forced to resign, surely we want it to be because he's incompetent in his job and he's done something particularly devastating in the running of the country. Yeah. Not because he let his staff have a party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the history of our country, that that will go down in history, that the Prime Minister lost his job because he had a party. Now, fair enough, it does break the law and the rules that he set. I get that. But there's part of me that's saying... That's going to be in the history. He will have lost his job because he had a party. <laughs> that's yeah. ultimately what's down. And that's what our history books will show. And I just think that's so embarrassing. When you actually analyse it that, it's ridiculous. What I think will happen now is, because basically, if there was a general election any time in the next few months, I think the Tories would be wiped out. I think oh, what, they'll, on, mate. what they'll have to do, the only way they can keep the chance of their party remaining in power mm. is they will have to get rid of him as prime minister and install someone else within about a year before the next election. So they can be seen to have done something good and improved things before it comes round to vote. And then that's who, the tactic. Who, I, I mean, they, they need to, they need to build someone <clears throat> up pretty swiftly because I don't even know who could take over from him now. No, I don't. I don't know either. Uh, to be honest, who is the, this is how ignorant I am. Who is the deputy prime minister? Uh, it's that oh Dominic Raab, isn't it? Because when Boris yeah. was yeah, yeah, yeah. going in hospital and they were talking about he had COVID, they they said um, he might <clears> have to step in. Um, anyway, yeah, as soon, soon as you said it, yeah. we've got into politics a bit and we've got away from our own conversation about jobs. So let's get back to that. Now, after my paper round, I can remember the first kind of paid job that I did. I worked at a Sainsbury's about three miles from where I lived. And was um, originally restocking shelves, got moved on to tills eventually. One story I've got to share with you and the listeners. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. It was a Saturday. I used to do eight in the morning till one in the afternoon on a Saturday. And they had installed these digital clocking on and off machines. So you had to put a four digit code in when you started work and you had to go to the machine, type this in and you could leave. I finished my shift. I walked towards this machine to type in my code and loads of people started walking out from the staff room towards me, blocking me from getting to this machine. And I was like, oh, I just need to get, it was like 10 yards in front of me. I was like, I just need to get there and I can go home. And they were like, no, we've had the alarms go off. You've got to go this way. You've got to go this way. I was like, can I just clock off? They're like, no, you've got to go out the building. And it turned out there'd been a bomb scare. Everyone was stuck in the car park outside for about six hours which at the time was unbelievably infuriating but then i realized i was going to get paid for those six hours so that ended up being all right but if it had happened five seconds later i would have been able to clock out and go home but there was a genuine well it wasn't a genuine bomb but someone had put some kind of old vhs player unit bit in the back of a shelf somewhere with all wires coming out of it they had a bomb squad go in and properly look at diffusing it and how they were going to deal with it and then they found out it was a fake thing but someone had put something in there that looked like a bomb in Sainsbury's in Crayford why would anyone do that they must have been unhinged <laughs> I don't know maybe they had a gripe maybe they were an ex-employee not been able to clock out one day I don't know but, uh, those, man. That was those. one of my biggest memories from working at Sainsbury's in Crayford. Nice. I mean, we've kind of chatted about my first job, I think, which was WH Smith. Um, yeah, yeah. I know you quite I enjoyed it, didn't you? You quite liked it. I loved it. I've, <clears> I've <throat> always enjoyed working. Like, I enjoy doing stuff. I enjoy being part of the work environment. Yeah, yeah. Team or being part of a team. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I've always really enjoyed it. And I used to hate when I had split shifts like that, where I'd start early and finish early. Because yeah. I used to, I, I literally just didn't like leaving the shop <laughs> until uh, until the shop had sort of shut itself. Like, I was, yeah. a, I was a nightmare for going home. My boss always used to say, why are you still here? Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to do this other bit here. Um, <clears throat> and the, the manager that I had, Neil, was... Um, it's just a really nice guy, but yeah, like really, really hidden. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you had to sort of earn. I think with with him, you had to 
prove that you were a grafter and that you were there to work. Right. And if if you weren't a grafter, he'd let you know that you weren't a grafter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the team. Uh, what interests me about WH Smiths is I've no idea of sort of behind the scenes of WH Smiths. I mean, we know listeners will know we've both worked sort of for a company where we saw behind the scenes in department stores like John Lewis Harrods and Selfridges and stuff, which is quite interesting, but you forget really. I always associate WH Smith with the place I go to get magazines I wanted. And when I was a kid, I would always want computer magazines, comics initially, then computer magazines. And then as an adult sort of film magazines and sci-fi and stuff like that. But you forget WH Smith always had a vast array of stuff. They used to do music. They used to do DVDs and whatever VHS tapes before that. They do all things like jigsaws, crafts, yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. So when you worked there, were you sort of in charge of everything or was it, were you doing one thing mainly or how did it, how did it work? Was there an area of it that was yours well, firstly, I believe I was in charge of nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I was a uh, uh, when I first started, I wasn't anyway. At some point, they they did have me open up. Like I used to take the keys and I don't. Yeah, I remember you telling me you'd have to locking up and opening up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to do all that. Uh, you have to get there pretty early in the morning because the deliveries came in, and then when all the magazines came in, uh, you had to sort of count them, which was infuriating in itself. Right. So you yeah, had to yeah. Know how many there were? Um, and one thing that I did learn there was uh, just about a stock taking system, which Neil and my manager and me put together a system that worked really well. Um, yeah. Although he'll probably say it was all him. It wasn't <laughs> whatever he said before I got there. It was a nightmare. And we, uh, I just had a, a folder with all, and I printed out all the magazine stuff, all the titles that we had. So I looked after the, news agent side of things right um and every magazine title that we had i had a thing of how many we had in stock upstairs because you had to go upstairs to get the stock so it was it was a bit of a nightmare because the the news agent bit was on the ground floor yeah but the stock room was on the top floor and the delivery space was underground so you had to get all the magazines from the underground up to the top floor uh put them all in the storage place and then you had to use that to replenish the news agents, which was on the middle floor, which is a real pain in the ass. But in order to know what was going where, we had a, a little stick assistant, so I knew what we had in stock just by looking at the book. I knew how many I wanted, so I'd write it on this sheet uh, with a whiteboard pen, so it was in one of those um, plastic pockets. Oh, yeah, yeah. To write. So the sticker told me that I had stock in, the number told me how much I needed, and I'd go upstairs and I'd get what I could. Yeah. And then we'd bring them all down and, and fill up. So I was mainly doing that. What used to annoy? I, I used to love looking at all the all the magazines. We had all the because I Empire, Total Film. Yeah, I yeah. Collect, I didn't collect them like you did because I could read them every day when I was at work. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Just, sure. I just used to, if I was on my lunch, I'd just grab one off the shelf and I'd go read it on my lunch. Yeah, nice. Back yeah. Before I went in there. Uh, so it was always quite fun for that because I was into films and stuff uh, as you were. Uh, what used to annoy me the most about working the news agents, but it's all the free advertising crap that you get in magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you get it as much now, but it never stayed in the magazine. It always fell out, and I've just <laughs> had shelves that were like these gutters, just and I had to keep emptying everything out and getting rid of all these free. Uh, some we kept, like you know, free bits of aftershave that had fallen out. You'd keep some of them or free whatever. Yeah. But, Usually it was just full of rubbish, and these magazines were crammed with it. Like Marie Claire was, <laughs> I believe, the worst. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I used to get Total Film. I used there was a couple of uh, computer or video game magazines I used to get, and I used to get FHM when I was a sort of late teenager yeah. into my twenties, and that used always used to have loads of free stuff falling out of it. Yeah, yeah. I had that for a bit, a little bit. Uh, at the um... Uh, FHM and stuff but again I stopped buying magazines because I was working there and you also realised you can spend a lot of money on magazines yeah 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 so I just used to sit and read them at work Done. yeah nice nice uh, that- and before anyone comments there wasn't any uh, porn magazines <laughs> and you would and have I taken- wasn't- 
And I wasn't reading them at work. You would have taken it straight to the House of Commons and read it there. Um, let's move forward in time to something I'm pretty sure we touched on this in our early episodes because we started our early episodes um, around the time we were doing this job. But two jobs in our lives we've done together. And there's always that sort of, what's the word, not just camaraderie, but that sort of you like to moan about your work to someone else that is doing the same job as you and understands it. So you naturally have that sort of solidarity with them. And Vitamix was a good job and um, <clears throat> well paid. Uh, well, well, yeah, well, well it was paid, a job. Yeah. It was a job. It was well paid. <laughs> yeah. It was well paid. I'll give but, you that. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about what we then did after we got made redundant from Vitamix and had to... Um, find other work during a pandemic uh, which was very oh. difficult oh this is about when i pimped you out in london <laughs> yeah well as well as that <laughs> we also did what i what i Needless really to say ben we didn't make a lot of money <laughs> yeah what i think of as probably one of the worst jobs i've ever done if it hadn't been with you i don't believe i would have carried on doing that i've never oh, found a job that's, that's almost a compliment though, it is it? yeah i've never found a job so hard and i didn't sort of wake up dreading it i just knew i didn't like any part of it other than chatting to you and we worked for a delivery company i will name them called ao who deliver appliances hey. uh, oh Let's go. You still remember. Well done. Um, but we don't just deliver appliances. We also half teach you how to plumb in someone's washing machine or dishwasher. And then you just have to go and do it yourself and get used to it whilst you're out on the job. What I love is that neither of us had ever done anything like that before. And within, I think we did the job for what? A total of, a, it was over three months. So it was probably no more than about, 50 days and in that time we got rated the best delivery team from the depot we were working out of out of about 40 delivery teams yeah we did yeah yeah we rose and to we, the... we were there we were there for a while as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. untouchable at the top for the last few weeks they were th what i loved is when we told them we were leaving there was a couple of people that were genuinely sad we were leaving <laughs> sort of i shocked. think though but that goes down to just uh, possibly different work ethics in that respect as well, like because we were customer service oriented, so we were yeah, happy yeah. with the customers and we spoke to them and we tried to help them. And sure, both yeah. of us, although despite the fact that I think we were well within our rights, if we got to a point where we couldn't do a job or finish a job, we could have said no, we can't yeah. do. It. But I think both of us had this mentality that. Well, we're here now, yeah. So we're yeah. going to try our best to make sure that you get this in, or you get this in your flat, or you get this in your house, or whatever. Yeah, we always tried our best to do that, regardless yeah. of the situation or how far back it put us. Because we had some days where we must have done. <laughs> I think we'd done fourteen, fifteen hours one day. Because well, we just so just to give up. the listeners an insight to how it worked, you'd arrive in the morning. You expected to get to work about six a.m and be ready to leave by about 7am for a day's delivering. And on average, you would have about 18 to 25 deliveries of major appliances to people's flats and houses in and around London and Greater London. And they would give you a time frame to do each delivery in. And if you hit any problems, nothing was like allocated for any extra time. Like, oh, we got a 10 minute delay there. Oh, we got a half hour delay there. Oh, someone's had a problem with this. That yeah, we had, we had a couple of days where we started at six in the morning and didn't get home till ten, half ten at night because we got delayed so badly. Yeah, there was no allowance for anything going wrong, and you were heavily reliant on the customers being honest about their living situation. Yeah, totally. Where most of the issues came. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think people were genuinely scared. Uh, basically, like Ben said, you you had a they allocated right. If if you're delivering a washing machine to a a property, that it will take you what five to ten minutes. Get it off the van and stick it in the flat. Yeah, yeah. Or stick it if it's a flat, right? Yeah. So they'll they'll give you that amount of time. If they say that there are stairs involved, they give you a little bit more time. Yeah. 
And if you specify that there's quite a lot of stairs, then they'll give you probably a good half an hour or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think customers genuinely felt if we put stairs on here, no one will deliver it. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely. I think they felt that was the situation. Yeah, you're so right. We we turned up at places where we had like what a seventy kilo washing machine. Yeah, we had to put in a flat, and suddenly we realise, oh, it's up six flights of stairs, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, and there's no lift. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to get an old one out as well to take as rubbish back yes. to the depot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You got to take the old one out, and and that's the the problem with the system is that there should be more of a checkup on um, what is involved in getting this thing in and out of this property. Yeah. And if they did that, if they just hired like a little call center that just did that, then the delivery system would be so much better. Yeah, totally. What I didn't like about that job, there's, there's two major things. One is a bit kind of get over yourself, but the other thing was, despite the level of training we had, which I don't think was adequate. And despite the, you know, the number of deliveries you're supposed to do in a day, there was just so much stress from the jeopardy of if anything gets damaged, the company's not claiming on any insurance. They're just putting it all on you as a delivery team. If the van gets damaged, money will be taken off your wages to compensate for repairs. If you putting an appliance in anyone's property, knock something, crack something, does any kind of damage to their property, the company don't cover it. And, you know, they just charge you for damage. And I found that very, very, oh, I understand there's got to be a level of trust. And, you you know, you could hire someone to deliver, just chuck something about, doesn't care, and you can't prove anything. So I get that. But there has to be a better system than just making you feel as a delivery person like, I can't do anything or I'm going to lose money for it. I just hated that. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, what, what's even crazier with that is there are a couple of times when we genuinely did damage to the van right? <laughs> and didn't get one single fine. And yet yeah. they tried to fine us for something that really wasn't our fault. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, it was uh, above the front windowsill, uh, windowsill, front uh, windscreen. Yeah, there's like that curved sort of panel. I don't know what it is. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the van, and there was like two scratches on there that apparently <laughs> weren't there before we took the van, and so they tried to find us like hundred quid or something. Wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I really fought my corner on that, and so did the guys in the loading bay. And they, I don't think, did we end up, no, we ended no, up I paying for that, I think. There was one thing we ended up paying for on the van, I can't remember what, and then there was one thing someone claimed their floor got damaged by us putting a fridge across Oh, that it. might be what we paid for, which, yeah. Um, but I remember I reversed the van into a bollard, <laughs> like <laughs> completely done the back bend, uh, fender thing in, and that just got passed. No one cared. And I was like, hang on a minute. That's like, I was expecting like a 200 pound fine or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man. The other thing I was going to say, I no, hate there's no reversing sensors on them. So you just, hit yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the only time I did, but you know, the other thing I hated about that job was, and it will still strike fear into me now when I see them in people's houses, I feel sorry for the, whoever had to put it there. What what are known as American American side by side fridge freezers? They're giant fridge freezer units that are often sort of double doors. And whenever we would arrive at the depot, you'd get your paperwork for the day that would list everything you would get, and it would have a weight by it. So you'd have some expectation of the he- how heavy what you'd be carrying into someone's house was. And yeah, we had a trolley to get it to doors, but of- often you've then got to go upstairs, whatever. These American fridge freezers, wasn't it the first one we had to deliver was about 115 kilos? And you think, all right, I weigh 80 kilos. Between two of us, that's doable if you get these lifting straps that help. All right, we can get it into houses and manoeuvre it around. Then we'd get one that was 130, 140. I think the final day we worked, wasn't it? We had the one that was 170 kilos, which fortunately only had to go into someone's garage. And Well, I think it was 165, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm like, that's both our body weight put together. That is literally insane to expect two people to do anything with that. Yeah, we couldn't lift it. Well, was that that when it was snowing as well? 
Yeah, it might have been, yeah. But there was one. one. There was one that was horrendous. We went to some block of flats in West London somewhere, and we had to get an old American thing out and down in a lift, and then the new one in. And I remember thinking, I don't know how we're going to do this because getting that old one out has half killed us. And we had like a twenty-minute window to do it, and it took about an hour. Yeah, that old one was heavier than the one we put in, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that did take us a long. We did it though. But again, that's us. Yeah, Making it's the sure work ethic, isn't it? It's not saying we're not we're refusing to do it. It's actually trying to I do, do it. I do remember there is one American we refused to do though. Do you remember it was in someone's house and it was upstairs, but it was an American one. <sighs> oh and, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not taking this upstairs. Like it will not go. There's Didn't we no, leave it in and it was a narrow step? We left it at the bottom of the yeah. stairs. <laughs> <laughs> really wanted it. And I'm like, mate, there's no way that's going up there. One, it won't fit. And yeah. two. It's too heavy to go upstairs. Like yeah. you can't take an American side by side that is 120 odd kilos upstairs with two people. Yeah. And those lifting straps wouldn't have done anything. No. And they, they do say, oh, well, you can take the doors off the fridge, which is the biggest. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? that that's, do you remember that one? Where I, don't, to, I don't even get a talk. Where it was in some guy's hall. Subway's yeah. hallway for about an hour and a half. Yeah. We were stuck and I could it just got wedged between the stairs <laughs> and the wall. And we were trying to pivot it around. And I had to try and take the doors off. But the doors, because they have um water things in the front of them, like yeah. water dispensers, so all the pipes go through the door, yeah, into the body of the machine. <laughs> so you have to try and unhook all this wiring at the same time as taking oh. It was, and then I had to take his light fitting down to get it in. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, so it, it won't fit in the corner of the room. So that, because that was our latest finish. I think we got home about half eleven at night. But I remember yeah. after that one, we still had to do about three deliveries. And I remember phoning up the people saying, "Do you actually still want this delivered at ten o'clock at night?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah." There was one. I think I might have been with Mike was it with my yeah i think it was where we just got so late we had to have another team come and pick half the stuff off that, that was with me that happened with me oh, was it yeah when we were in stratford yeah 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 we met them yeah, and they right, took right. about seven eight of our things and we had about another six left yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that might have been the day that we had that guy because we that guy where i had to take his light fit and everything that he put us back so much yeah we were there about two yeah. hours Easy, been, easy two hours. And right? we've been allocated like 25 minutes or something, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. But it, it is a, a a horrible, thankless job that yeah. that is as well. And so anybody who's getting anything delivered, <laughs> yeah, just just be nice to those. Those guys are under the pump. And it's unfair as well because it's, it's really not the best money yeah. overall. And anything that goes wrong, they get fined for. So if you rush them, and they do damage, it's coming out of their money. It's not yeah. coming out of the company's money. And you may every, think... Every time you complain about a delivery guy, they will get some form of fine for it. Yeah. Because um, if you get complaints, you get fines and stuff like that as well. Um, so, yeah, just uh, my advice to anyone who gets stuff delivered is just think before you complain about the guys. Like, yeah. You know, is, is what they've done that irreparable? We've had people where we've scratched the side of the fridge... And they've gone, yeah, it's fine. Just, you know, it's yeah. against the wall. It's against yeah. the wall. I'm, I'm not going to see that scratch. It's cool. Stick it in. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard anything about it. <clears throat> Absolutely, there's, yeah. There's, there's equally people where I, we've scratched, we've t- when we're taking the packaging off outside, this was with Mike, I think. Right. Um, a woman in a house, and we were taking the packaging off with the knife, and with the knife, I literally sliced down the whole side of the fridge because <laughs> I thought it was cardboard, and it wasn't. It was the side of the fridge. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> I, it might have been one of our last deliveries as well. And I was ah. like, because they give you our number. So they're ringing us up going, where are you? Yeah. And I was like, and I looked at where the fridge was going in and it slid into this little cup, this little cabinet. So the side would have been against the wall. Yeah. It was scratched. And I was like, right, all we need to do <laughs> is make sure she doesn't see this side of the fridge. So I think I sent Mike in. I'm, I'm 100% it was Mike. Yeah. And I said, look, you go in there. <laughs> and we said I said to him I said, right, we're going to go in there but just tell her because of COVID she can't be in the room 
so she has to go into the <laughs> living room area because if she goes into the living room area then she won't see this side of the fridge uh but this is where it got even more funny because he went in and did that he says oh just because because michael do whatever you tell him to he's like oh yeah <laughs> Uh, just due to COVID, can you stand in there and we'll just get this sorted? So we're unpacking it, and I suddenly realised I'd done it wrong in my head, and the side that she was now at is the side where the scratch was. <laughs> so while um, Mike's unpacking it all, I'm sort of stood in front of the fridge. And yeah. I pulled I pulled the old one out, and I had to move the old one from one side to the other side, so it blocks the view of us <laughs> putting this fridge in. Yeah, and so we slid the fridge in, and then once it was all in, and I'd leveled it up, and that, then it was fine. But the the level of deception I had to go to stop yeah. this woman seeing this scratch because <laughs> I knew one or two things. One, she'd unplugged and was had all her frozen stuff ready to go into the new one. Oh yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Because people do that; they don't plan for getting a new fridge freeze. They think they can just chuck it in straight away. You can't. But the, anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> So she she had all this fridge ready to go because her other one had completely obviously died some point in the day. And um we'd have had to take it back, we'd have got a fine, it'd have been a mess. When yeah. to be honest, she's probably never gonna see that scratch. For yeah, absolutely. And it, five, it won't years. affect the operation of anything, it'll be totally no. One other thing I would say, when you're saying be kind to your delivery drivers, you may think, oh, AO, they're only going to deliver things you order from AO. But those delivery drivers are delivering things you've ordered from John Lewis, from Boots Online, from all kinds of department stores. So you may think you're expecting a certain branded vehicle to turn up and it won't be. It will be delivery people for delivering for anything. Um, One thing I would like to remind you of, which is the one I'd say kind of good thing. I don't know if it will be regarded as good really, but I can remember the road we delivered in. I can't remember the area it was in. I want to say sort of Northwest London somewhere or West. I can't actually remember, but we turned up, we put, got this fridge ready, rang the doorbell and this girl opened the door and looked like she was only wearing a jumper and she was quite attractive. <laughs> I remember we sort of looked at each other as if to sort of go bloody hell, but with knowing you couldn't say anything. And then clearly she had like, she had a tiny pair of shorts on that she'd been sleeping in. And if it was me and I, cause we phone ahead, they know we're coming. Although I think maybe she hadn't answered and it turned out she'd been on the uh, booze the night before. Cause there was a lot of wine bottles at the top of the stairs. Yeah. But- if oh, was, I do remember this now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 if it was me, I'd be embarrassed to have answered the door not wearing very much and had two delivery men bringing a fridge in and getting an old one out. But she was loving the attention, and rather than sort of, well, getting... I think you were giving the attention. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I sat outside her house for three weeks afterwards. But she, <laughs> yeah. she never came out. Um, but yeah, she never went and got dressed, and like was talking to us just in this sort of relatively skimpy thing and a jumper. And we were having a bit of a laugh with her about the night of alcohol she must have had the night before and whatever and whatever. But it was the only time someone quite attractive answered their door. And I was like, am I in a 70s porn film? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nick Parrish was watching outside. Is it? Um, I, do, yeah. I do remember that, yeah. And I, I, it is weird when she just had no qualms whatsoever about these random guys just walking in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just like, yeah, yeah, do what you want. Like, and I was like, okay. Uh, I think you were in more shock than I was. I yeah, probably. I, I but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it does surprise me. that, Like you said, we do ring ahead. They do know we're coming. They do get an email, and it's yeah. quite weird. Anyway, right, well, listen, we've only got about six or seven minutes left to talk about the other job that we've done together. And I don't know if we can do it justice in six or seven minutes because I ended up working for that company for a total of about seven years. I think you did for about four or five years, did you? The um, American Blender Behemoth. I mean, uh, technically, Ben, isn't the three jobs that we did? I mean, we weren't working together, but didn't you do the census as well? Oh, yeah. I never think. Yeah, because of having our own teams, I forget that we did exactly the same job there. Yeah, apologies. We we worked as census team well, leaders. In, in the sense that we still rang each other up and moaned about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, true. I, I, I think that was very much part, part, part of the course. Oh, well, I'd, we definitely can't do justice to two more jobs in five or six minutes. But uh, the census job just showed me 
the amount of sort of bureaucracy and admin involved in any company and certainly government stuff. And I know that the census isn't sort of answerable to one party or whatever. It would do the same job, whoever was in government. But there's so much you had to go through, read through training you had to do, people you had to. It was such an inefficient process of getting people onto your team and people not coming onto your team. We were told we were going to have teams of 12 people and the job started and I had three. And then a week later, I had five. And then a week later, I had six, I think. And it never got more than that. But that was fine to cope with in the area. And ah, oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, you did have a hard time with that, to be honest. Um, Actually, I am going to... I mean, do you want to say anything about Vitamix? Or I am going to veer off for the next... uh, Well, let me just say on a general level, it was well paid. I enjoyed it to start with. It It became less enjoyable over the years. It was interesting to get insight into the company when we became... Um, on full-time contracts and were access to information at official sales meetings and things like that. But I, I liked the performance side of demonstrating at exhibitions. I really didn't like going to random John Lewis's <clears throat> all around and having to set up on your own and convince people to buy something that's five, six hundred pounds. And I hated at exhibitions getting rid of the waste. That was probably the least favorite thing, carrying a 70 litre bin full of what can only be described as crap to some kind of toilet or sink to get rid of it about three or four times a day that was the worst part of the job but met a lot of good people doing that job met some interesting people doing that job and uh you know, if, if anyone asked me to write down what ben thought of vitamix yeah that would have been my exact wording for, <laughs> I, I could have said what you would have moaned about and what you would have enjoyed uh, and, and yeah, that waste bin really did your editing. Like, yeah, yeah, and and, and, so, and I think it angered us more, uh, both of us in particularly. And this is in in no way meant to sound as harsh as it sounds, but we were working with women who refused to lift those bins. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Came up with every excuse you can think of to not have to do the waste bin. Yeah. And because if it if we didn't do it, it just wouldn't get done. Most that, of the yeah, time. that used to wind me. I understand generally men are stronger, so there's an element of I ought to do this because I don't I'm... know. I think Marina could have taken both of us down <laughs> if she was. <laughs> yeah, but no, but that's what I'm saying. Generally, there are clearly instances where some women are just as capable of heavier lifting. Some women are more capable. It's nothing really to do with that. It's to do with the attitude of. Because, you know, if you're not as strong, take it when it's only half full rather than when it's three quarters full and get away a lot more. Just that refusal of, well, you know, I can't do that. So you'll have to do that. And, oh, yeah, I never liked that. Right. I'm going to lay out some work facts here for you. Go uh, on, because we've now, got... Admittedly, these are American, but... Okay. We've got about three minutes, so go for it. Three minutes. Okay, number one. People who don't take office politics seriously are more successful and efficient at work. That agree makes or sense. Disagree? Yeah, I would agree with that. Don't get involved in a load of ridiculousness and just okay. chill out. Yeah. Number two. Employees who have more control over the layout and design of their workspace are healthier and happier in the office. Well, I would certainly you say... Design ha- your office. Yeah, I would certainly agree with happier. I'm not necessarily sure about healthier, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Scientists note that employees should keep working until the age of 80, but that they should only work 25 hours a week for optimal productivity. I, th- I think there's something in that, not, not being harsh and sort of forcing people if they're in poorer health or whatever, but I think people would stay more active, would stay like sort of better use of their brain power and stuff and would be less deterioration. I think you see when people retire and have less of a focus, that that's when they can go into a bit of a decline. So, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that if you're able to and want to. I agree with that. Yeah. Multitasking at work can drop a person's IQ by 10 points, which is equivalent to losing a night of sleep and twice the effect of smoking marijuana. Wow. Right. By multitasking at work. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't know how that works. To me, multitasking should make your brain more switched on. Yeah, but... you're doing more at the same time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Apparently not. <clears throat> uh, younger workers in the United States, I told you it was American, uh, are injured at twice the rate of older workers. They are also at higher risk for car accidents at work due to less driving experience 
lower use of seatbelts and being more distracted. Right. Okay. That's a worry. Right. It is a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a worry. Absolutely. Also, uh, there was another thing here as well. Where was this one? Um, Oh, I've lost the one about up until I think it was 1978. You could sack someone for being pregnant. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't find the fact, but I think the Pregnancy Act only came in in 1978. <laughs> and I think uh, in Germany, I think they still can. That's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, from what I was saying there before. Okay. Uh, well, sadly, yeah. we don't have much time left. Any, any other last final work fact you want to hit us with, or are you out now? It says here, the average office chair with wheels travels about eight miles per year. <laughs> I like that. It's a good one to finish on. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who, I don't know where that came from, to be honest. As, as ever, as we come to the end of recording one of these, I feel like we could go on for another hour because we've barely uh, scratched the surface with some of the things. But um, thanks. Oh, to there our... it is. Yeah. So before the Pregnancy Discrimination Act in 1978, uh, oh, so American women could get fired from their job for being pregnant. Right. And it says here in Russia, bloody Russia, women cannot work as truckers, ship captains, or at least 456 other jobs. The government deemed them too dangerous for women. Right. Good to hear of Russians being really thoughtful and considerate. Anyway, uh, it's time to move on. It's time to uh, end this for now. We'll be back again very soon. Hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Remember, at Feud Thoughts on Twitter, search for us on there, tweet us. We will reply. We will give you a shout out in a future episode if you do that. And uh, right now, from myself, Ben Simmons, and my as ever esteemed colleague, me, Martin Hill. It's thanks a lot. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye-bye.